Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Each podcast is themed and I interview and ask questions from a specialist who's also the owner of a small business, just like us. If you're a business owner of a micro business, then I hope that this sparks your thinking, answers some questions that you may have, and that you get some tips on the subject that helps you move your business forwards. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast. I very much enjoyed recording it. Hello and welcome to this week's Boardroom Buddies podcast. So this week we have a podcast that is a little bit different to the ones that we have done previously. This week we're going to be talking about a much more personal, quite a deep subject I think, mental health and in particular men's mental health. Now in business, as business people, we generally go about our business day in day out and I think it's probably easier for ladies to seek help and confide in other people. And I know that when you're running your own business, things can get really tough at times um, and can certainly uh, impact on your mental health. So I thought it would be good to do a podcast uh, and kind of cover this topic. So this week, I am delighted to have a special guest Longtime friend, uh, friend of another longtime friend, Gareth Keat of Oak Tree Shutters and also Oxygen Coaching. Now, Gareth will tell us his story and how he has a particular interest in men's mental health and he's led quite an interesting life as well. So I think you're going to enjoy this. So, welcome, Gareth. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Jackie. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's great to see you. Um, so tell us what has sparked your interest in mental health, particularly men's mental health. How did this come about? And also, I guess, how you got into coaching. What was it that made you decide that you wanted to help people in this particular area? So, I'll, so I know we're we're limited on time, you know, because I can be a bit of a storyteller. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> uh, so dealing with those questions here in sequence. And then, born and brought up in South Wales, people will pick up from my accent. My parents are from the Midlands, but they moved down there. Brought up with a high, high set of values, a high level of values, honesty, integrity, looking after other people, etc. And that naturally progressed. That you know, I left home at nineteen and joined the military joined another organization where mental resilience was expected uh, it was yes. indoctrinated and the training is designed to help you see how mentally physically and emotionally tough you can be but also being brought up in a certain generation big boys don't cry um emotions are weakness um suck it up buttercup this is just the nature of the job that was a mindset that you know my generation was brought up on yeah. and so transferred into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And 
as the story will uh, unravel a little later on, can be un- your unra- emotional and mental unravelling. So I left the Marines in 1999, joined the police then, had a 20-odd-year career in the police, and did everything that you can imagine you've seen on the television. And I had a sp- particular skill set, but I got promoted in my last 10 years, and I had the responsibility for other people in the workplace, oh, as well yeah. as to the public. And that came with some added personal responsibility. I took it very seriously. The people I worked with alongside and the people who worked for me, I treat them like they were my own family. And therefore you end up taking on some of their own personal issues as well and helping them manage those and a very accountable job in policing. So that came with its stresses. Eventually, there were a number of things that happened in the workplace, some significant emotional events that weren't what you'd expect. Plenty of dead bodies have come across and traumatic investigations, which I dealt with, I'm sure somewhere in the deepest, darkest recesses of my mind would affect me or kind of raise, trigger some responses in daily life now. But the biggest things for me were was the emotional and psychological toll of supporting people in the workplace and challenging inappropriate behaviour in the workplace as well, From certainly from some senior officers who I stood up to. And that eventually took its toll on me, the details of which aren't really important for today's story. They'll come out eventually. But for me, I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD. I was affected massively in my personal life and in my professional life. And I had a breakdown at work in 2017, 2018, which resulted in my cognitive ability being massively compromised. And emotionally, I was a wreck. I was struggling to sleep. I was going through a divorce at the same time, so a perfect (laughs) storm. And, you know... The challenges for that that presented for my children as well as you know having separating parents and being a, a detective inspector in in my occupation and then trying to manage life as well so everything kind of collapsed in on itself and my interest in mental health I had as a senior officer in policing you are you go on courses and you are as a Policing is obsessed with accreditation. So if you've been on a course, that means you must be an expert on it. And therefore, you you have to keep a watchful eye out on everybody else, but not so much on yourself. Mm-hmm. As long yeah. as everybody else was okay, that was me. I was fine. Look after everybody else by myself. And, yeah. of course, came as a massive shock to me. On paper, I should have been the most resilient you know, emotionally, physically, and uh, psychologically, but, you know, the, the most resilient person you're likely to meet, given my background. But no, life caught up in itself is a gradual erosion of my mm-hmm. my mental health. So once I I got a diagnosis, that helped. Once I got some great support, lots of P, um, CBT and talk therapies and trauma therapy, but eventually I ended up leaving the police the two couldn't coexist my condition and the effect my trauma was in the workplace so therefore my triggers were all in the workplace so I was uh, medically retired I took early health retirement and uh, along the way in that journey the years that followed I met my now wife Dawn who you know I think uh, I don't know whether she's been on your podcast or is intended to be on your podcast not yet yeah but but, yeah (laughs) she down yeah, she, she, you know, very busy lady. And she and I, during our courtship, we had an, an interest in personal development and we started our NLP journey together. And for those who don't know what NLP is, neuro linguistic programming, which is a right mouthful. But in terms of the coaching world, it effectively, when 
your phone starts playing up and all that, you upgrade it, you put a new operating system on there. The way that I describe NLP, it's a new operating system for your mind, for your thinking, for your emotions. And and that started to help me understand mm. what had gone on and help me find a new path, some new neural path, neural pathways for me to yeah. recover what I'd lost during my breakdown, I guess. So I became a student of NLP coaching, then a, sorry, a client of NLP coaching, then a student of it. And then because I've spent, you know, the best part of 30 years in the public sector, you know, that obsession with accreditation, I wanted to have a piece of paper that says you're qualified to to teach this. So I became a master practitioner of NLP, which allowed me then to formulate strategies and help other people, um, which I then went on to do Mm, after my career in the police. Yeah, yeah. I too am a master practitioner of NLP and I think it was probably the most significant personal development work that I've ever done and I still find it fascinating and I think the thing that I find most fascinating is that we as human beings have the ability to think about our thinking and actually test out thinking in a different way. Yeah. And I don't think we teach that in schools that we can that you can actually think a different way if you choose. There's a couple of schools of thought on the NLP side of things where I, like you, found it absolutely. Uh, I don't like to over exaggerate use the word life changing, but it definitely at yes. that period of my life where I was lost, it helped me find a route back and and, and some purpose and. One of the things that was suggested around doing some group NLP work where the most impactive stuff comes on from one to one because you have to have trust with your coach. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a good rapport. I've had some very good therapists in the past when I was first poorly at work. And the talk therapies helped me understand why my brain was and my body was responding the way that it was. It was. But it didn't give me answers, the root cause stuff, a lot of which was in my childhood and nlp encourages as opposed to presents a solution or an option or a or a medical opinion i'm not medically qualified to give opinion all i do is like lead people down a route of self-discovery and when i did it i found it absolutely fascinating because it was done from my perspective so no one was judging me i didn't Mm. feel judged I was observing my own journey using the very, very clever techniques that NLP presents and questions that are asked. Yes, Um, yes, yeah. It's fascinating and, well, it got me through some sticky times as well. Okay, so I guess almost a rhetorical question then is, so that's why you're interested in men's mental health? Yeah, because I had to in order to, in order to get better, so, you know, I, as soon as I became a dad, I wanted to be yeah. a hero for my kids. I wanted to be the best role model, the best dad that I could be, best cop. And I felt tremendous shame, I think. The overarching feeling was shame and guilt for not being able to handle this because the way wow. that my embedded commands from when I was a child were big boys don't cry, emotions are weakness. You've just got to tough it out and and take one step forward take one put one foot in front of the other no one wants to hear you whine or whinge it's not about whining or whinging it's actually taking personal responsibility and looking after yourself for once rather than everybody else and as soon as i accepted that 
I realized I wanted to debunk the myth that big boys don't cry. It's okay yes. to cry. Don't get me wrong. I don't sit here with a bloody <laughs> tissue all the time and get triggered by, you know, every emotional yeah. emotional hmm. event that I witness with other people. But I'm certainly more connected with my emotions than I was before. And I'm happy to talk about them a lot more. So I decided that when we set up Oxygen Coaching Company in 2000 and 19, I think it was, that I only wanted to work with men in the in the emergency services is how yes. I pitched myself when I set up on LinkedIn and I did a number of events and mm. spoke at a number of events and encouraged and went on a number of podcasts and supported some charities as well. But I found that and I still find that I have more female clients than I do men. And so I, I still don't think we're there yet. It's a tough ask sometimes from my personal opinion, from my personal experience, it's tough to ask for help, to reach yes. out to someone and go, you know what, I'm not really coping. Yeah, I felt pretty hard. And I thought, well, I'm in a deep, dark hole. I don't like what it looks like down here, so I want to dig myself out. So you end up digging yourself out. And there is some some kudos with that. It's the, the kind of rocky thing, you know, uh-huh. brought up in a certain generation. You're going to fight yeah. this fight against, you know, uh-huh. these, you know, the things that are pulling you down. As opposed yeah. to when you're on the descent and you don't recognize it, everybody else can. There's some very obvious things to other people, but you don't see yourself. You know, the mood swings, the lack of sleep, the emotional eating, emotional drinking or self-soothing in some other way. Mm. Everybody else can see it, it changes in character. And it's easy to get defensive because you should be that you feel you should be the person who has it all locked yeah. down. And, you know, I don't need judgment from anybody else. But mm. um the biggest thing I had to get over was the shame that I felt, which is totally irrational now, but at the time it was palpable. Yeah. It was yeah. overwhelming shame that I'm suffering from an illness that no one can see. Yeah. It'd be easier. Think, yeah. Do you think that men feel that shame, if you like, more than women? I can't speak from a female perspective. Uh, I really can't. That would be arrogant of me to do so. I can only speak from a men, man's perspective that unspoken shame. You know, hold it deep down. Brene Brown has got, I'd encourage anybody listen to this, men or women, listen to, if you search on YouTube, Brene Brown Shame, she does, a, she's done a couple of TED Talks and her talk about shame is fantastic. It's a really good example of uh, a man, a family man talking about shame. And okay. let the, let the, I'll just leave that there and yeah. drop for you guys to go and research that. But it really spoke to me when I, when I was struggling with, uh, mm-hmm. my emotions and my mental health at that time yet we mask men mask their shame and their guilt but they're not they're totally appropriate in the right context we in nlp for example breakthrough coaching as you know anger sadness fear hurt guilt and shame are the six they're not negative emotions because they're natural in the right circumstance you would never say it's a negative emotion to grieve when you lose someone that sadness mm. that's absolutely natural or where you know, when you're appropriately angry it's just when mm. you hold on to it for the wrong reasons then they can be yeah. debilitating and that's what nlp helps you helps you yeah. do is to let go of that lean into my own vulnerability share my story that was the first big thing mm-hmm. and then secondly then encourage other men to come forward and go i want to I don't want to fall as hard as you did, or I have fallen, you know, and some people mm. have experienced dark thoughts and attempted suicides and that, you know, and some people have been, you know, successful in those, sadly, mm. in those actions. And I wanted yeah. to try and prevent that. And yeah. Yeah. I, I found that 
you know, there wasn't the will to engage with a private citizen, a person who's an independent, that it, within the public sector, there's a lot of, we'll come up with a solution ourselves and we'll only trust the people within our close-knit teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a nepotism that exists there. And it has a part of the, I can only speak for policing, I, I deal with and I support fire officers and NHS staff as well. And that, that culture exists, that... Yeah. There's a emotional suppression is mm. encouraged, no matter what's said on a poster, no matter what's said on their force policies or their health and well-being, their workshops and seminars, they'll toot their horns. You know, I might sound bitter and twisted. I'm just speaking from reality that there is a dark subculture of emotional suppression And if when you're in a position of authority, and I would imagine that happens the same in large businesses, large organizations as well. If people are not at the top of their game, it's a performance game. It's a performance culture. So if you're underperforming a lot of places, not all, there's some wonderful organizations that are doing some great proactive stuff, wait for people to fall. And then they're seen as broken and they might be passed up for opportunities for promotion, personal development, career progression, or even just, you know, um, acknowledgement of the great work that they do. Yeah, I think, yeah, just the same in some larger organisations, you know, you kind of ring out as much as you can from your people, Mm -hmm. get the highest performance possible. And then if they fall over, well, you know, we'll get some help then. Yeah. Very <laughs> reactive. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> my experience has been there's very much that when people reach a crisis point, then people have to spring into action. Mm. And also, everybody has to take some personal responsibility as well. I can say that my character type and my work ethic was one that I would work myself into the ground. There's nothing. If the Marines couldn't break me, then policing couldn't. So because I gave the appearance of being resilient, then therefore, what what do you do? You give more work to the person who's making it look easy. And I accepted it. I never said no. So Mm -hmm. to a degree, I suppose I was my own worst enemy as well. And that's a mindset thing as well, because I didn't put myself first because for fear of being called selfish or for fear yeah. of being called not, yeah. you know, deemed not a team player. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm not the only one. There are hundreds of thousands of men and women who, who mm-hmm. are like that. Um, yeah. No matter what age you are as well, what generation you come from. Yeah. I think even though we're, we're, we're kind of focusing a little bit on men's mental health, many mm-hmm. of what you've said, much of what you've said, equally applies to women Mm -hmm. I think I do think that there is for some women a sense of shame if they're high achievers normally you know in their normal lives or perceived as it's very hard to kind of say you know need a bit of help Mm -hmm. and and they're not perceived like that and you add on that pressure of social media now yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, I yeah. detest social media. I know it's a, I know it's a necessary <laughs> evil in business, but yeah. I absolutely had there was a great before I came off Facebook for what I, th- I thought it was to intended for. You know, like over ten years ago now, I remember seeing a post, a New Year's post, saying, "I wish you all a happy New Year, and I wish you all the happiness you pretend to have on Facebook." And it's right, it's, it's about perception, isn't it? You know, and the shame associated with being if I don't have outwardly have the mm. then that comes a 
guilt or shame, you know, that people might judge me. It's a fear of judgment again. And it's, it comes down to a basic instinct of yeah. worrying about yeah. what other people think about us. Yeah. So what would you, I mean, you've got two businesses now. Mm-hmm. So I would say once again, you're pretty stretched. <laughs> ah, but but I have a dawn in my corner now, you see. So, uh, so we don't compromise on weekends. <laughs> So there is a sense check. We are both as invested in our own individual success, health and well-being uh, rather than an individual. So rather than having an individual battle with the workplace or success or my own perception of success, constantly got a constant dialogue around that. And I know not everybody is as fortunate to have that. But for me, having left two very successful careers that I loved you know, I loved the military. Mm-hmm. I loved everything that it taught me and everything it gave me and the opportunities it gave me and, you know, developed my personality. Policing, again, for the most part, was the most enriching, most fulfilling, wonderful career I, I've had. And then close the book on it. Now, I could have dwelled on it and said, like, policing broke me. But actually, it gives me an opportunity now to kind of rise from the ashes, if you like. There's a great phrase one of my therapists came up to suggested to me. It's called, it's a Latin phrase called dilapsus resurgium, which means when I fall, I will rise again. And oh, so yeah. for me, that was my purpose. You know, I'm only 48. So I've got plenty of opportunity to be successful in my own right as a businessman now. Yeah. So I've got some good friends around me as well who are successful business people and who are uh, great at providing advice when it's wanted. And, you know, shy boys don't get sweeties. I'm a sponge again. I'm that eight-year-old in class <laughs> wanting to learn. So for me, the coaching business we set up, Oxygen Coaching Company, is successful and also it can be i recognize the fact that if you're doing coaching and dealing with other people's traumas all the time that could be debilitating for me i know what my triggers are so yeah i've diluted my involvement in oxygen coaching i still have a uh, my fingerprints on it and some of the, the work that we do with our corporate clients mm. is less frequent it's not on a daily basis it's, it's on a you know month by month or quarter by quarter mm. basis so that's manageable and that doesn't impact on my mental health. But what I love doing, I've always loved DIY and I love, I'm good with my hands. I like building things. I like fixing things. I like the time because it's solitary most of the time as well. I like the, my own company and I do my best thinking when I'm on my own and problem yeah. solving. So for a couple of years, I worked with a friend of mine over the last few years who's got a very successful plantation shutter company. And for those who don't know, plantation shutters, if you think pre American Civil War, the Southern States architecture, mm. wooden framed window yeah. shutters with slats, louvers. Yeah. That's what they are. They're, they're quite trendy now. They're very stylish. Yeah. And I was working with my friend's company in Stratford and um, found that I was good at the, at the design, the technical drawing. I love trigonometry in school and the sales, dealing with the people and the fitting as well. So after a bit of deliberation, thought about joining his company, put full-time rather than just part-time, mm-hmm. and then decided that we'd start a board with buddies and a number of other business connections. Referral networking is working for me as I'm taking my training wheels off on my business and I'm growing my business and my reputation and my brand. So, yeah. So okay. in answer to your question, two more, two more businesses, but not flogging myself so much that I can't enjoy. I don't have a proper balance, you know, with you know, running the business, growing the business, and also doing the things that I enjoy doing with Dawn and my kids and my family and my friends. 
have you got any advice or recommendations for anyone else who may be running a business and you know doing all those other things in their lives and struggling a little bit don't do it on your own you know so you know i'm at the start of my business journey so i can't speak like the old sweat you know that i've got like a, a you know multi-million pound business looking back on it and what would i do differently i'm at the start of my journey but what i'm i can only speak from my own experience i'm not shy to ask for advice or mm. for help look to join uh, business groups where you can get advice like masterminds or referral networking where people are as invested in your success as they are in yours mm -hmm. because there are some business networks where it just seems to be from my understanding a bit of a social a get together there's no meaningful structure where people can learn from it or an opportunity real opportunity to do business and there are a lot of hunters out there as well, where people will look to you to part with your money because they'll offer you the silver bullets to be able to slay this business dragon for yourself. Mm. And I, I don't think there are any quick fixes. You need to kind of work incrementally, you know, surround yourself with positive people who want success for you. And mm. I think a phrase that I picked up on, you know, work with people who are businesses that complement each other, but don't compete with each other. Yeah. So otherwise you're fighting for the same crumbs aren't you mm. fighting for the same customers but that that said if you are in a in a business where there's lots of competition again getting a good coach and i'm not mm. offering myself up for this but i'm just saying i like, get yeah. a good coach yeah. who will yeah. change your mindset from being one of scarcity we're fighting over the same pound we haven't got there's not enough money out there we're going into a recession you know there's a cost of living crisis you walk into any coffee shop any any beast it isn't just the people who've made it who are in there there is money out there people will prioritize and if yours is a service or a or a business that people want and there's a market for it then trust in yourself and have a you know a, an abundance mindset that there's more than enough business out there just gonna yeah. be smart about how you go about getting it i guess yeah yeah uh, yeah you mentioned masterminds a little way back and obviously boardroom buddies mastermind is is you know a group a membership group that that I run we have we have a structure to our day but there is or there are lots of times when people will flag up more personal domestic stuff and because we're a small group and because we've all signed a non-disclosure mm -hmm. between us and know each other very well now yeah. uh, there's a good level of comfort in discussing those more personal issues that you might be struggling with you know yeah. outside of your normal day-to-day -day business and I think that's very helpful that has been yeah, really absolutely helpful. absolutely and, and it's it comes back down to trust doesn't it yes, you know it does. yeah so you give it's that quid pro quo isn't it I give a little bit of me and you give a little bit of you and uh, yeah I would imagine I've only ever experienced the mastermind in the business side perspective on one or two occasions and I love the fact that one person asked a question that maybe several others in the group That's might have already experienced. Yeah. And some might be thinking about it and don't want to raise it because of guilt or shame, maybe. And then others have experienced it, have come out the other side and are willing to share that. And that's beneficial as well. Uh, so I bet you can't really put a price on it. It must be wonderful for you as the coordinator for that to actually see that in motion, see people yeah. build and develop yeah. from yeah. something that you've created and facilitated. Yes, it's great. I mean, the biggest thing is to be able to stand back and see the journey mm. of of each member 
and where they started and remembering some of the things that we started to discuss and where they are now is yeah. pretty yeah it's it's uh, very satisfying but of course I don't actually do anything all I do is facilitate and ask kind of coaching questions so it's almost like group coaching yeah so yeah it's, it is very rewarding yeah I do love it yeah yeah. Okay, that has been ever so interesting. Thank you for coming on to the podcast My and telling us your story. I suppose really I should say if you're a man struggling or a woman struggling, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, and there absolutely. are lots of things out there, aren't there? There's um, there's apps you can get on the phone. There's well business groups like you've already mm-hmm. said. Um, let's talk to your GP. Um, yeah those kinds of things um if and, anybody needs pointing in the right direction yeah. not necessarily for coaching but like even just for some advice reach out my email address my oak tree shutters email address is on there as well you can get me on that it all comes through to my phone anyway and yeah. i've got gareth at oxygencoachingcompany.com which is a mouthful and a bit clumsy to type as well so oak tree shutters <laughs> probably easier uh, yeah and i'm pointing in the right direction uh, have Thanks a chat yeah no problem at all Yeah, and likewise with me if anybody's struggling too. Yeah. Gareth, it's been brilliant. Thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. And yeah, we'll conclude it there. Thank you. I do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Boardroom Buddies podcast. Do subscribe for more podcasts and it would be lovely if you shared it on your favourite podcast platform. If you have any questions or you would like to talk any more on the topic, then do connect with me on LinkedIn or email me on jax, that's J-A-X, at jackiecasey.consulting. And thanks for listening.